Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. enjoying the presence of God in this place today. Come on, give God a big hand clap right there. Wow. What an awesome presence of God here. I'm excited to dive into week number four of Shipwrecked, and I do hope that you've enjoyed the series so far. Uh, I've enjoyed teaching and preaching these principles. I'm excited about today as well. A little review in case you've missed any of them. We talked in week one about the concept uh, it's a nautical term or boating term, the concept of trolling. Uh, and that's the, the principle where a fisherman will put, put out multiple lines to catch an array of fish. And, uh, and, and that's how our relationships are. We go through life and we connect with, with tons of different people. We just have to decide what relationships to initiate, what ones to cultivate, but also what ones to eliminate. And that's the concept we looked at. In week two, we talked about being caught dead in the water. And what I really focused in uh, in that message was the fact that a lot of us, we struggle in relationships because we wrongly define them. We get people out of place. And, and when we get people out of place in proximity, then we are setting ourselves up for disappointment, for hurt, uh, for offense. And so we need to rightly define our relationships. And then last week, we talked about rocking the boat, and we learned that intimacy is information, and that my love is only in proportion to my knowledge. I can only love you at the level I know you, at the level I trust you, at the level I share the intimate parts of my heart with you. Uh, I know that we love everybody, but how many know you don't love your spouse the same way as you love someone you just met? But sometimes in the church, we get all confused, and we think that, that love is the same across the board, but all relationships are not created equal. And so we have to define them correctly and put people in the right category. And, and we learned the last thing that I hit last week, and I'm just going to build off of last week in this message. We talked about that our mind has the ability to minimize or maximize any event that we go through. We can make anything we've gone through as big or as small as we want to. Our mind has that potential. And we know that all relationships are cost and reward. Everybody know that. There's a cost to every relationship. But there is also a reward to every relationship. If you're connected to someone where it is all cost and no reward, you cannot sustain that relationship. Eventually, you're going to have to let that relationship go. There has to be a level of reward that comes back into your life. It cannot be all cost. Today, another nautical phrase that I want to, want to preach to you about is the, the uh, term that they, they call edging forward. Hit your neighbor and tell them edging forward. Now, edging forward in boating terms, it, it describes inch by inch progress. It was uh, originated in the 17th century, and it's referring to slow advancement by making repeated small movements. Um, let me just say it this way. 
It, a lot of us, the reason we're suffering in relationships is because we are lazy in relationships. <laughs> You're dismissed. Little by little. It's step by step. It, and, and, and relationships never stay where you left them last. Which means it's either getting better or it's getting worse. And a lot of times it's based on our commitment to doing the small things repeatedly over a sustained period of time that produces the greatest results in our life. I'm telling you, if you'll do the little thing for your spouse every day, see, a lot of us, we ignore them all year, and then we want to buy them a trip to Cancun. You know what that is? Lazy. You want to ignore, do your own thing all year, and then just make up for it with one thing. I promise you, your relationships, your marriage, all of that will get better if daily, every single day, you do the small things well. I think we should give God praise right there. We're going to do the small things every day. I'm not saying don't go to Cancun. If you go, take me with you. But let's do the small things every single day. We're going to edge forward. And so um, with that being said, we understand as Christians that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. My heart, or, or my mouth, my heart ventilates through my mouth. What's in here is going to come out through the words that I say. And the only way that I can get feelings out, if I'm feeling a certain type of way, the only way I can get those out is to talk about them. I've got to be able to say them out loud. And I have to make sure that if I'm going to talk about how I feel, then I gotta be, I gotta make sure that I'm getting those feelings out, watch this, in the right environment. Some of us process our feelings, which we should do, but sometimes we're processing feelings in the wrong environments. And that can be more detrimental to you than not processing them at all. Have you ever like stated how you felt in the wrong environment? and that thing came back to bite you. You know, you can't share everything with everybody. You, but everybody needs someone that you can share your heart with. Everybody needs a person that uh, can handle, watch this, the real you. Listen, if you are still having to put on for them, it's not a real relationship. If you're having to guard certain parts of your heart, then it's not as deep as you think it is. See, the people God wants to bring into your life, especially those long-term relationships that last, it's people that can see you um, good, bad, and ugly and still believe in you. They can see you in your weakest moments and still believe God wants to use you. Anybody thankful for some people in your life that seen the worst of you and still believe the best in you? You gotta have those kind of people in your life. And what, what, what I have to do is, is understand that with that means I am now um, eliminating the number of people that have proximity. If I want real relationships, that means everybody can't be on the inside. Jesus modeled it. He had relationships with 
the multitudes. He had a certain level with the 70 he sent out. He had a close relationship with the 12, but even inside the 12, he only had three that he shared everything with. And that was Peter, James, and John. And, and so there are levels to our relationships. And a lot of people, they are, they are hostage because someone broke their heart, they let someone in, and that person let them down, and now their life is stuck. And, and here's the thing that, that we gotta grab. Your ability to manage people that God brings into your life is paramount to your emotional health. Listen, life is, I, I taught you last year, life is all about management. It's about, it, when it comes to finances, it's about the way I manage them. When it comes to my job, if I don't manage it correctly, it's gonna go south. Everything in life hinges on my ability to manage or steward that which God has entrusted me with. And listen, you have to see your relationships as a gift God gave you that you need to manage well. We can't be flippant about our relationships and expect them to, to be healthy and, and, and so we've got to put some stock in the fact that every relationship God has given me, the ones that God wants me to have, they are to be protected and managed. And, and so how well are you managing the people God has given you? How well are you cultivating those relationships? What relationships do you need to eliminate? Watch this. Who do you need to forgive? Now, it'll get real quiet right there. Because when you go to forgiveness route, we, we all feel justified in unforgiveness. Well, I'm hurt, I'm mad, I'm frustrated. Well, he forgave you. So forgiveness is not optional. So who is it that you need to forgive? Forgiveness doesn't mean you gotta hang out with them again. <laughs> but you gotta let that thing go. Forgive them, and sometimes, yes, the relationship is restored and you move forward together, but sometimes this forgiveness is, you know what, I'm not holding this against you any longer, but you need to go your way, I'm gonna go my way. Praise the Lord. Two of you. Now, we're gonna go to the book of Psalms, and I'm gonna read a very, I'm gonna read a psalm that some of you are gonna think, this is disturbing. I can't believe that's in my Bible. Because um, David was going through something. He was going through one of the worst traumas of his life, and it wasn't at the hands of an enemy, it was at the hands of his own son. And he's, he's saying out loud how he feels in the psalm. And I'm getting ready to read it, but before I do that, when I first got into ministry, I had some people tell me, if you can do anything else and be happy, go do it. I had some people that, that told me, I wish I could shield you from the pain that you are signing up for. Because listen guys, this is a hard gig. And if you're not called to this, run. All right, run. This is a hard gig. And, and, and so I'm saying that to let you know, everybody goes through things in life and we feel a certain type of way, we just have to manage those feelings in a way that will not bring harm to our relationships, but will help our relationships. So David is hurt, and we know he is a giant killer. 
we know that he killed bears and lions, giants, he's a warrior, he's a man after God's own heart, but we see him in this passage that he's not in a good place. Hit somebody and tell them he's not in a good place. I'm gonna let this psalm preach to you. Here's David, Psalm 55. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and the storm. Anybody ever felt like running? David is saying, I would rather be in the desert by myself than connected to this bunch of people. That's in your Bible. Have you ever wanted to get in your car and just drive as far as the gas tank would allow you to go? Some of y'all are way too holy. But David is saying, I want to get out of here. That's how I feel right now. I'm hurt, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I want to run. He says, Lord, confuse the wicked, Confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I want you to catch this. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you. A man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. He's saying, I could handle this if it was a real enemy, but this was someone very, very close to me. And he goes on to say, let death take my enemies by surprise. I don't know if y'all are catching this, but the people that have hurt David, he's saying, God, kill him. That's in Psalm 55. God, just kill him. Now, maybe you didn't pray for God to strike your enemies, but maybe you prayed that they might have hemorrhoids. Come on, this is real, right? I mean, David is frustrated. Like, he, he's feeling this. God, strike them. He says, evening and morning and noon, I'm crying out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from old, who does not change, he will hear them, and watch this, David said, he's going to humble them, because they have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Cast your care. Some of the, most, the people you need to be the most concerned about are the ones who butter you up. 
He said, he said their words are soothing like oil, but there's war and strife in their heart. They will say everything that seems spiritual, make themselves appear spiritual, but you can't see that on the inside. They are buttering you up so they can set you up to take you out. And David is praying. He ends by saying, but you, O oh God, this is verse 20, 20, let's look at 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be, sh be shaken, but you, God, you'll bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days, but as for me, I trust in you. David, in this discourse, you can catch the tone. The tone is, people close to me have hurt me. Not only have they hurt me, they've tried to bring me pain. And David is, is saying here, I would rather, for us, it's not a desert. Some of y'all, you've been through some pain. You would rather just flee into the mountains and live like Paul Bunyan. All by yourself. Just you and nature. Because life is hard. And how many relationships are, are many times harder than life itself? It brings the most amount of pain into our life. Jesus also experienced this. When you look at his ministry, even Jesus could not get rid of all the Judases. If Jesus had a Judas, guess what? You're going to have a Judas. You're going to have somebody on the inner circle that will betray you. It's going to happen. And David says, if, if it was an enemy, I could deal with this. Like, I chopped the head off of enemies. But what am I supposed to do when it's, when it's someone I've worshipped with? I've had fellowship with them. We've laughed together. We've cried together. Like, how, how do I respond when the enemy was once a close companion. I believed them, I trusted them, I let them in, but they had another motive. They had a different motive. And, and David said, I will not keep all of that in my heart because watch this, if I keep it in my heart, it will poison me. Some of you need to learn how to get to a place in those kind of relationships that you give those folks to God because if you don't give them to God, it's gonna poison you, and if it poisons you, it will poison every relationship you have from that day forward. There comes a point that you gotta give it to God. Hit your neighbor and tell them, give it to God. All right, if we're gonna give God a praise right there, go ahead and give him a real praise. Some, sometimes you just gotta say, God, I, I give it to you. This is your baby, I, I can't handle this. It's bigger than me. And for me, I have to be extremely careful as a pastor because one of the things as a pastor that happens is you're not exempt from getting hurt. You're not exempt from going through seasons when people you've invested in turn their back on you. You're not exempt from that. And I have to be very careful that I, I, I protect my heart because if I don't protect my heart, instead of bringing you wells that, that give life to you, I'll start pouring out bitterness from, even from the pulpit. My heart ventilates through my mouth. And so what's in me eventually comes out. It's why in James chapter 3, I won't read it all to you, but verses 9 through 12, he talks about bitter and sweet water cannot come from the same well, from the same fountain. I'm either bitter or I'm sweet. 
I can't be bitter and sweet. And so my heart has to be protected. I declare over this house, not bitter flows. I speak fresh flows over this house, sweet flows over this house, over your, no more bitter marriages, but sweet marriages. Come on, give God a praise right now. We're not gonna allow bitter things, but sweet things. But there's a process to this. How, how do we do that? How, how, how do I operate with a fresh well and not a bitter well? And part of that, I've taught you guys over the years the power of confession. And, and confession is saying the same thing God has said. That's all confession is. And, and the way confession works is if your financial situation says you're broke, we don't confess brokenness. We, we confess what God says. You are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, and God has given me the power to get wealth and prosper. I don't, I don't confess my brokenness. I confess God's word. If, you, if you, your job situation may say one thing, but I don't confess that. I confess the word of God. But, but the reason I bring that up is because confession, that's powerful, there's a place for it, it's not the same thing as prayer. Prayer and confession are not the same. Now, now let's walk this out. Sometimes the way you pray is not theologically accurate. And neither does it have to be. Prayer is not confession. Prayer, watch this, this is good news for somebody. Prayer is God giving you permission to say in his presence how you feel. Now this is difficult for me because I grew up around a lot of religion. And I thought prayer had to be doctrinally sound, theologically accurate. I thought, you know, when I prayed it wasn't real prayer unless... I'm, I'm, I'm just perfect according to scripture. But prayer is not confession. Prayer is God giving you permission to state what's in your heart. To state how you feel. The Bible says Jesus is a high, our high priest and he has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. My wife has had to help me with this because I, I have a tendency to be real religious. I won't even say spiritual. I'll just call it religious. And I think our prayer time has to be, thus saith the Lord. And that's great. There's times for that. But sometimes the prayer time is my opportunity to get out of me what is making me bitter. And so instead of going to people and telling everybody how I feel, prayer protects my heart because if I'll get in God's presence and say, I'm ticked off, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, I feel bitter, God, that will actually protect me from dumping that out in the wrong environments. David, his prayer here in Psalm 55 is not theologically accurate. God, strike my enemies to the ground and give me a front row seat. That's, all the, that's not theologically correct, David. 
all the religious people. And, and the religious people that love David and talk about how awesome, they ignore this part of him. God, strike them all down. Give me a front row seat. I want to watch those suckers burn. <laughs> David, where is um, love your neighbor? Where is <laughs> bless those? that speak all manner of evil against you? He, how many know, he's not accurate theologically. But he is stating how he feels. If I don't get the poison out in prayer, it comes out in relationships. Oh, I, I want to say I'm preaching real good, but... This, 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 this is going to take a little maturity. You know, because a lot of times we want to dump it out in environments because we want everybody to feel like we do. Oh, my goodness. But if I could just take how I feel. I don't know. Have you ever went to God when you were mad? Are all of you all like our father? Every time, sometimes I'm ticked. And I'll say, God, I am ticked off. But do you know that will help me from coming across like that in relationships and hurting people that I never intended to hurt because I would not deal with the poison in my own heart? Some people do a good job of appearing to be holy because they say everything that we think everybody wants to hear. But just like David is talking, he said, they've, they've buttered me up. Their words are soothing. But there's war in their heart. David said, God, bring them down. He, he's saying, I've got some enemies. I want you to strike them. He also said, guys, I am horrified by what they're doing to me. I am fearful because of what they're doing. In other words, what they had done to David, what his son had done to him, it had produced fear. How many know fear is not theologically accurate? God has not given us the spirit of fear. That's theologically sound. But you know what? David took his fear into the presence of God. So prayer is God's permission to get out of you what you don't want to carry around. And, and he's saying, I've got these feelings. I need a place to dump them. I need, I need to be able, I'm the leader of a nation, but I cannot rule the nation if I'm emotionally unhealthy. See, your ability to function in the realm God has called you to is dependent on your emotional health. And some of us, watch this, we never get to step into calling and purpose to the fullest because we, we, we neglect our emotional health. We continue to operate in patterns that, that accentuate the dysfunction in our life instead of just going to God and saying, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I don't like that person, I really want to tell you to kill them. I know I'm not supposed to, but that's how I feel. How many know that if you'll do that in the right environment, God will keep you from becoming bitter, carrying poison, and sharing that poison with everybody around you. So I'm going to give you some, some 
takeaways. And I'm going to try to take my time and do this, but Holy Spirit, we're asking you to to speak to us right now. First thing I want to give you. I've said a lot. You're like, first thing. Relationships have cost and reward, but the reward should outweigh the cost. I know that we hit that last week, but I feel it's important to reiterate it. Because having a friend means that I'm I'm signing up for sacrifice. All right? There's cost to it. There's also reward. It means that there are going to be times of drama. Anybody got any friends with drama in their life? Right? But I'm signing up for that because I understand all relationships have a level of cost. It's going to cost me something to be in this relationship. Having a friend means I'm going to give up some inconvenience, or I'm going to be inconvenienced at times. That it's not always going to be convenient. And, and a real friend, okay, a real friendship is one where the rewards outweigh the cost. That's why we talked about Peter coming to Jesus last week, and he said, hey, we've given up everything. And Jesus said, Peter, you, you've given up a lot. He did not dismiss what Peter said. He said, but everything you've given, given up, times it by 100, and I'll put it back into your life. Even God has a reward system. If you'll do it God's way, guess what? There's a heaven. It's built into your DNA to look for a reward out of everything you do. Some of you, the reward you look for is the two-for-one deal at the store. Right? It's in our nature. We want a reward. Every relationship should come with reward, but we cannot discount the cost of that relationship. If you want a relationship that is all reward and no cost, you are not looking for a relationship or friendship, you are actually looking for codependency. And and what you're saying, if you don't want to have a cost on your end, what you're saying is, is I want to prop my life up against yours because I hate mine so much. There's a deeper issue when you want an all-reward relationship without any cost. Listen, guys, any healthy relationship means it will cost me something, but there is also a reward to this relationship. Secondly, this is so deep. If someone wants you to go, you can't, or if someone wants to go, you can't make them stay. Man, that's deep. That point is not deep, but the implications of that point is really deep. The power of a person's will, you cannot override that with prayer and fasting. You can fast 21 days, but you can never override the will of a person that says, I'm out. If they want to be out, you can't make them stay. When the prodigal son left... I want you to notice in that story, he weighed the cost and the reward. He made a decision. And he said, the cost of submitting to my father in the house, that the cost to that is greater than the reward of staying. So he magnified the cost, he minimized the reward, and he left because he thought there was a greater reward if I leave the house. Notice in the story of the prodigal son, that the father never chased the son. And the reason the father didn't chase the son is because the father knew this is a long-term relationship. 
He's not supposed to leave, but he's, I can't override his will. He's at the age where he can make the decision, and so I'm going to let him go. Now, we know the father looked every day for him coming back, but he did not chase him, and he understood the principle here. If someone wants to go, you cannot make them stay. And I think that it's interesting to me that the father knew He's not going to listen to me, but I believe in the end, he will listen to the pig pen. It's amazing the amount of people who won't listen to a father, but will listen to a pig. See, there are some people that the only language they understand is the language of pain. The prodigal could have avoided all this pain. By staying put. But the father knew he won't listen to me, so I'll let the pigs talk to him. He knew that when the boy won't listen to me, he will eventually listen to the pigs. The Bible tells us that once the boy was in the pig pen, he said to himself, You know what? This is awful. I'm going back home. I'm going back. When you're begging, won't bring them back. When your prayer won't bring them back, don't go chasing them. Let the pain, let the pigs speak to them because some people only understand the language of pain. Hit somebody and tell them, let the pigs talk to them. Y'all don't like this point, do you? See, if you won't listen to reason, then maybe the pig will get your attention. The pigs will bring them back when you can't. Some of you may have people that have walked out on you. Maybe a marriage is not where it should be right now. You've got a a child that's went wayward, and and you're chasing and trying and praying. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying. But you cannot make people stay who want to leave. And you're killing yourself, but you need to understand you can never override the will of a human heart. Once somebody has made a decision and set their heart on it, guess what? They're going to they're walk that thing out. The Holy Spirit's going to have to deal with their heart. See, God is already, uh, let me give you a, kind of a different view of this. God does not live inside of time. He lives in eternity. Eternity sits outside of time. Here's time. Here's eternity. God's in eternity, which means that when God looks into time, he can see the past, the present, and your future. And so a lot of times when we go through traumatic experiences in relationships, we're mad, we're upset, and you know what we want? We want God to be upset too. And when God don't get upset because we're upset, then we get even more upset. But God is not surprised by the pain you are experiencing. God was not caught off guard when that relationship failed. He was, he's not wringing his hands and wiping sweat off of his forehead like you want him to do. And the reason is because God sees your life like a picture, like a canvas. He sees him. And if something is not supposed to be there, watch this. God, God doesn't change the picture based on what's going on. God God is not surprised by anything you've been through. God has already seen some of you come out of situations that you never thought you would be in. 
And so God has a picture of your life, a canvas of your life. And if it's a painful season right now, guess what? God is not going to go back and change that picture. It was already in the picture, but God has already seen you come out on the other side. It's not about going back and erasing what you've been through. God saw that long before you got in that mess. See, God saw the, the weight of glory that would come upon your life but by the afflictions you have walked through. You show me an anointed person, I'll show you a person that has gone through some seasons of pain and struggle and difficulty. What doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. You want to be anointed, you got to go through some seasons of difficulty, some things you didn't want to go through, some nights you had to cry yourself to sleep. But we, we all know that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I declare over some people in this house that the night and the weeping season is over, that it's time to, to have joy and celebrate and know that God sees your end from the beginning. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He saw you come out before you ever went in. Somebody give God a praise right there. Man, I feel this thing. I got to hurry. Number three. Last, that last point, if someone wants to go, you can't make them stay. Last point, accepting someone's limitations are keys to long-term relationships. Stop trying to change the people that you say you love. If you love them, understand, when they entered into that relationship, they had limitations. There's some things, and I can say this boldly, I'm the one with the microphone, I've got limitations. If you don't believe me, ask anybody that knows me. Ask my wife, she'll tell you, I have limitations. Some of those limitations I've had my entire life. Evidently, it's not part of God's picture or canvas for me to be good in certain areas. How many know you have to accept sometimes the gifts you have and the gifts you don't have? You got to accept your own limitations. But here's the thing we accept our own limitations, but very rarely do we accept the limitations of the people around us. Let me say it like this Don't love me because you think you can change me. Love me for what I am and for who I am. Accept my limitations. You have to embrace the thing, the, the concept of, I can bring you what I can, but I cannot bring you what I do not possess. And you have to accept that. In your marriage, listen to me, your spouse has limitations that they will never overcome. Some of them they will, some of them, they never will overcome them. And you have to determine, I'm going to love you, not for just who you are, but I'm going to love you for what you're not. Because anything else is no longer love. If I'm only going to love you if you change, then now I am only manipulating you. Some of us are conniving as all get out. We say we love people, but the truth is, 
is that we're only loving them if they can produce all the change that we think they need to make. In your relationships, you have to accept limitations in those relationships. Um, maybe your mama stayed home growing up and she kept the house clean. It was always spotless. But now you're married and your wife, maybe you think, she don't keep it as clean as mama did. But she works all week. And so you're saying, I want the house to look like it did when mama stayed home and never worked. But you ain't married to mama. You're married to her. So instead of minimizing that limitation, why don't you maximize that she goes to work every day and brings home some bacon? So what if there's some dust? Y'all can do better than that. Maybe, maybe you're married to a guy and you, you prayed that he would be successful and he would, he would do big things. And, and the thing is, now he has. Maybe he is successful. Maybe God is blessing. But being blessed means you have more responsibility. So he's gone more than you want him to be. And, in, and instead of maximizing that he's now successful, which is what you prayed for, instead of maximizing that, you start minimizing it and maximizing that he's gone. How many know we got to accept limitations? And sometimes the very thing that we're upset with is something we prayed about and we were excited when it first happened. This is going to help some people. In your marriage, you have to accept limitations. Love them for who they are. Don't try to change them in order for them to be loved by you. That's manipulation. You, you have to learn to manage that, not, not just change that. Now, as the worship team comes... I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to pray. Sometimes we all, we all bring strength to relationships. Everybody in here has gifts, and you have things that make you strong. There are strengths in your life. But sometimes our strengths can become a weakness. And, and for me, I can't, I can't talk about your example. I can talk about mine. I, I am called to be a pastor. That's a calling. That's an anointing God gave me. But sometimes that can become a weakness for me because I view most things through the eyes of a pastor. But sometimes my kids, they don't need a pastor. They need a dad. So if I'm only quoting scripture to them and telling them, boy, you better get ready for heaven so you don't go to hell. How I many? Sometimes they don't need pastor dad. They need dad. Sometimes my wife don't need a pastor. She needs a husband. And sometimes we get in our strengths and we want to live there all the time. And that can become a weakness because you got to do sometimes what the situation calls for. And I'll be the first to admit, in relationships, I've not always had wisdom. Anybody with me on that? Like you just didn't have some wisdom? I'm learning. I still don't have all wisdom. Every day I'm having to pray about my relationships and pray how I view them and pray how I see them. And, and not get caught up in, well, I love them if they'll turn their life around or they'll change this about themselves. You, 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 got, you got to just love people where they are and accept their limitations because here's what happens. 
in a relationship when trust is broken, when trust is broken, the cost goes up and efficiency goes down. 9-11 happened. And now when you go to the airports, we all know it's different now. And the reason is because trust was broken and in an attempt to protect all of us when we're flying from one place to another, the cost has gone up and the efficiency has gone down. There's a long line, there's all kinds. We, we know when you go to the mall, there's these alarm tags on everything. Why? Because people steal stuff. Cost goes up, efficiency goes down. When trust is broken in a relationship, the cost goes up and efficiency goes down. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak prophetically right now, so don't, don't speak out. Bethesda Church, we need to know We've been praying about a new season, talking about a new season, saying we're, we're gonna walk into a new season. And God wants me to tell some people, we're not waiting on a new season. We have already stepped in to a new season. We're in it right now. Holy Spirit told me the other day, don't, don't just pray for a new season, start acting like you're in one, cause you are. Now watch this. With a new season, we know comes some responsibility. For Bethesda Church, for our vision to move forward, listen, the vision will move forward at the speed of trust. Your marriage will move forward at the speed of trust. Your business will move forward at the speed of trust. Nothing moves forward if trust is broken. And so we have to trust. What's that mean for your business? It means you may have to delegate more trust than you originally wanted to. What's it mean for me? It means I gotta delegate more trust and responsibility to people around me than ever before because the vision will only move at the speed of trust. For our staff, what's that mean? They got to relieve themselves of some duties and trust dream teamers. And dream teamers got to trust new dream teamers. We will move forward at the speed of trust. Anybody ready to move forward in this new season, God has called us to. We can only move forward at the speed of trust at the speed of trust go ahead and stand with me all over the place I know it took me a little while to get there this psalm that we read David's paralyzed his life was stuck and it was all because he was hurt by someone he cared about he was hurt by someone he loved deeply so I'm going to get to the point quickly if you feel that your life is stuck today because of relational trauma. Paralysis has set in. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. Life is on hold. I know this is a, a tough moment, but I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to go ahead and get in place because I, I feel that we need to give people an opportunity right here to respond to the Word of God. This, there is healing in this house today you do not have to leave the same way you came in. As they get in place, we, want, we are doing this safely, but we want you to be able to respond to the Word of God. So if I'm speaking to you and you feel your relationship, your life is on hold right now because you've been hurt, I want you to know there is healing in this house. And I'm going to count to three. 
and I'm just going to ask that you, you get out of your seat and go. you got to respond. If you really want to be healed, you really want to forgive, you really want to be set free, you want to move forward, you got to be willing to respond. One, two, three. Move now. If that describes you, move now. Move now. Move now. Don't wait. Come to one of these prayer team members right here. Prayer team members all over. Come on. Come to them. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and move. Go ahead and move. Prayer team members, you guys begin praying for those that are responding. Now I want to speak to those that are in this room and you would say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with God. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. No one looking around for these last couple of seconds here. If you need Jesus to save you today, whether you're in-house or online, if you're in-house, would you say, that's me, Pastor, and just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. Sir. Awesome, awesome. Anyone else? Say, that's me. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome, awesome. Here's what we're going to do. Every voice lifted, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Be Lord of my life. Be the boss of my life. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a praise for those people right there. So good. Worship team's going to get in place. We're going to do one more song. If you made that commitment, there is a seat, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. Let us know who you are. Fill that out and drop it in one of the offering buckets on your way out. Let's worship God together. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.